there. I'm your friend Bev, host of Stop Psychoanalyzing Me, a podcast about mental health. I interview experts and ask questions about mental disorders that all of us might be curious about. Come join me. today with my fearless producer well, i don't know i got a bit of i got a bit of fear uh, uh father yuri Heladio. well just yuri Heladio is fine i'm not your father that's true uh and i'm not your mother there you go um, this is uh bev catherine of course speaking here now and and yuri and i are here to summarize season two a fantastic season if i do say so myself well, thank you, Yuri, and it is all thanks to you and your <laughs> hard work. <laughs> it's no thanks to me. You're the one talking and getting guests and having interesting conversations and preparing good questions, and then well, I just get you. to edit it after and get lost in the conversation. Well, I'm so glad that it is you I'm doing this with. I mm-hmm. could not have asked for a better partner in this in well, this thank you, podcast game. All right, so what we're going to do today is just talk through all the episodes from from season two. And, you know, the first one, Yuri, was on CBT or Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and it was with Dr. Nina Josefovitz. And, you know, I'm curious, how was this episode for you? What do you think? Well, Any insights? I, I have like a passing interest in like mental health topics, right? Like I, you know, being in the field of spiritual care and, and now being in um, the reserves for the military being uh, doing chaplaincy work, a lot of the uh, stress uh, of that job, uh, the, not the stress, a lot of the emphasis of that job is on mental health things. And CBT is obviously this like thing that gets thrown around or this concept that gets thrown around in, in totally. circles. And it's definitely a concept that I, to this day, don't really have wrapped <laughs> around my head. And I'm not sure if I should, uh, uh, but... Um, I found it very fascinating because I am interested in the topic of like habit formation. So I found, you know, because what she actually did, what's her name? Dr. Nina Josephowitz. Yes. Um, She, uh, by the way, I want her to be my mom. Uh, (laughs) Just her voice and her demeanor. She might um, adopt you if you ask nicely. Okay. I'll make sure to ask nicely. She, um, workshopped with you actually because you, you as p- in part of the interview I was like okay I want to go on um, more I want to go on a walk right like right. I want to add that into my routine to help my mental health or whatever and she was like that's not specific enough you need to get you know you, you got to get more <laughs> um, be more specific and and that was actually a lot of what she was talking about was related not the same thing just related to a lot of um, these habit formation books and and podcasts that I have been reading and listening to so that concept of CBT and habit formation and you know how how all the parts of ourselves affect all the other parts of ourselves yeah. and, and how we can use that to our advantage instead of being kind of mindless and not using and and led and using it to our disadvantage so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I think the model of CBT which is basically that thoughts affect our feelings which affect our behavior and affect our physiology it's just really, really helpful in understanding our processes, right? Like if I react one way to something and my friend reacts a completely different way, you know, what's the difference, right? You know, we're both human beings. Why do we have such different reactions? And 
you know, it might be that we have very different thoughts based on very different beliefs from very different life experiences. And so it's such a cool way to kind of understand humans and um, to intervene too. Like if our thoughts are causing depression or sadness, Mm. how do we examine those? How do we challenge them? So I thought this was such a good introduction to CBT with uh, Dr. Josefovitz. I loved it. um, I did look up her recommended, not her recommended, but uh, she mentioned the book, CBT made simple, which she was involved with, and <clears throat> um, it was a little too much out of my budget range. But uh, I, I definitely was interested in the topic, and still am. Oh, very cool! Very cool. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, well, the next one on the list was uh, grief across the lifespan with Christina Lee. This was yes. definitely editing. Editing this podcast was probably one of the most hefty jobs or you know heavy jobs to do you know listening to these stories and you know talking about grief is already hard enough and then talking about grief in children and how children process grief and how that can be different than adult is that i mean it it was a harrowing podcast to listen through right yeah i can't imagine actually being the one doing the interview well i shed a tear and i think i even said that in the episode um just talking about grief and yeah, like you said, how kids process differently and um, Miss Lee's work. And, you know, something I really enjoyed hearing about was, um, you know, how grief really looks different for everyone. And it's not a singular emotion. It's a process. It involves lots of emotions. And I think another point that she really drove home for me in this episode and this conversation was just on how death phobic society is and how we're often so scared to talk about death or after someone dies, we have a really hard time maybe bringing it up or knowing how to talk about it to loved ones. And that can lead to like lots of feelings of shame for people who yeah. are grieving. And, you know, if, if no one's really asking or checking in, like how does that feel for someone? And, and it's something that we all inevitably experience in our lives. And, it's interesting that it's not maybe more prevalent in our lives. Like it's not something that is talked about probably as much as it should be. At least that's, that's sort of right. how I felt after, mm-hmm. after chatting with Christina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, this a, one, that's a, that's a tough, it's a tough topic, right? It and, is um, a tough topic because people are so uncomfortable with it. And, and this one got a bit personal. I, you know, this was one of the first times I actually brought in an anecdote, you know, from my own life um, in the podcast, and it felt really important. And yeah, it was a great conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that needs to be ha- happening more often, I think. I think so too. Yeah. So the next one was very different than grief. We talked about health psychology and chronic disease with uh, clinical health psychologist, Dr. Tay Hart out of Ryerson, or soon to be renamed University in Toronto, Canada. Well, Uh, okay. So what struck me with this one in particular was literally just the job. Right. (laughs) Um, Like the idea of, I mean, when you think of, psychologist, you might think of somebody come, you know, I might go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or whatever it might be, because I have a particular mental problem. And right. I'll, I'll, I have I have trouble uh, with sleeping and relationships or whatever, right? And you want to go right. and you want to work through these personal issues. 
But to have somebody that sort of specializes in helping people that have chronic disease, like particular mm. diseases, it's, it's just a fascinating position that I, I didn't, I was shocked that I didn't know that this kind of position existed. And then was, it was sort of obvious that that position would exist. Yeah, I mean, it's not something we talk about or think about really if we don't deal with certain health conditions, right? And I think even yeah, for folks yeah. who deal with certain health conditions, they they might not even know that there are psychologists who specialize in that health problem. And mm-hmm. I think this was such an illuminating conversation because Dr. Hart works with folks with um, gastrointestinal issues and and certain types of cancers. And I agree with you, Yuri. It felt pretty obvious. Like, oh, yeah, there probably should be someone who understands the unique psychological problems that can Mm. happen when we have a chronic disease, like being diagnosed really young. There's not only the person who's physically suffering the pain. There's also the effect that has on close family and friends. Yeah. Um, Or even on like dreams you had for your life, right? If you're diagnosed really young or, or, you know, you're, you're all your friends are getting married and you're dealing with, you know, a a debilitating condition and Mm -hmm. the grief, right. Going back to grief, the grief that that would involve and involve. And also, um, like, can you learn skills toward acceptance? Can a psychologist help you accept what's happening to your body that feels so Mm -hmm. out of control and powerless? Like that's Mm -hmm. super tough. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Well, we can go on to the next one if you want. Forensic Psychology with Dr. Naomi Murphy. This one, I mean, this one was exciting from start to finish, but I'll let you take it away, Beth. Well, I loved this conversation. I loved all of the conversations, spoiler alert, but I loved this conversation um, because it was our first international, truly international guest, like Dr. Murphy is from England. And also, it was so interesting to hear about, like, firstly, what is a forensic psychologist? So sort of similar to health psychology. It's like... Yeah, it just, it's, it's just like the coolest sounding job title. Yeah. Yeah. It does sound really cool. Like, what, what do they do? Do they go to crime scenes and, like, figure out motives? No, that's not I, what they do. <laughs> I, all that comes to mind is the show Hannibal. Yeah. Or, like, Dexter. Yeah. Um, but no, sh- uh, she is a forensic psychologist who works in the prison system in, in the UK and just spoke about how she works with folks who've offended um, and, and, you know, conducted some sort of heinous acts really. I mean, not to sugarcoat it, but she described working with folks who've completed murders and assaulted other folks and, she described how a lot of people view the the patients that she sees in in the prison system as untreatable and right. just totally beyond totally care. beyond care and she just so eloquently described like actually no um a lot of them experience significant childhood trauma a lot 
um, you know, kind of needed that support earlier on in life and never got it. And now that they're in prison, they're able to get some of the support. And, and so just from a kind of a public interest standpoint, I thought that was really interesting. Like this idea that we might think someone is totally untreatable, but actually maybe that's not true at all, or maybe that's not the case. Right, and right. then the other really interesting thing too that I never really considered was just this idea that you know she's a woman and working with male offenders who have you know carried out some of these like heinous acts like I mentioned and what that must be like as as a woman and maybe at times feeling like objectified in her job and having to deal with challenges but just based on her own her own gender or you know what gender others perceive her to be and i thought that was a really cool you know cool interesting focus of our conversation that i probably would never have considered mm. i think if you're somebody that's in her position you have to be really confident in who you are as a person right right um, and like, so empathetic because you're connecting right. with people who might be really hard to connect with otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It kind of terrifies me a little bit trying to imagine like sitting down and getting to know some of these people. Like the, um, the amount, like I think you would really have to, to use the cliche, you would really have to have your own house in order, mm. right? Uh, to be able to, to, have your empathy be effective and good, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, when I was listening to it, just a tremendous amount of respect was sort of pouring out for me towards her. Um, mm. Because just knowing, like not, yes, she was talking a lot about the jobs and the others, but I was just thinking about what what kind of person would I have to be to be in a position like that and enact positive change, right? right. The amount, the amount, how how aligned my heart would have to be, you know, and, and I don't know, I just had a lot of respect for her in that podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I think what she does is really incredible. And she also spoke too about um, being a really young psychologist, I think in her early twenties and was sort of tasked to reform and kind of create this programming for these Mm -hmm. individuals who are incarcerated and, yeah, much respect to her for kind of carving out her own career path. And yeah, I think, you know, on reflection, Yuri, this season, we jumped around a lot in this season, like maybe even more so than last season with varying types of topics within psychology. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about a therapy, then we talked about grief, which isn't really a disorder. Mm -hmm. We talked about forensic and health psychology, which are sort of psychology careers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of got away a little bit from the the original purpose of the podcast, which was just to talk about mental disorders. But I'm really glad we did because mm-hmm. we were able to explore some some sort of niche topics that I haven't seen many podcasts talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, which does actually lead me into our next episode, which did go back to mm-hmm. back uh, to the roots, we, back to the roots, which is an introduction to ADHD or uh, attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder with Dr. Annabelle Sabalis and a woman with the condition, Megan Riley. Well, that's that. That's the big one, was that this podcast had somebody... The, the 
combo episode of having somebody talk. Okay, here's a metaphor that's used by one of my favorite authors. And he talks about being in a shed and there's a crack of light that's streaming into the shed. It's a dark shed, but you see this beam of light. And he said, you know, in, from one position, you can look and examine the beam of light. Right. You can, you can look at it from the outside and be like, Oh, yes, I see some dust floating there. Right. You can like look at the beam of light. But then what you can do is go into it with your eye and look out of the crack. And you're no longer looking at the beam of light. You're looking through the beam. Like you are, you are seeing the world through the beam itself. And what this episode did, I think, was actually combine both of those experiences of looking at the beam and then looking through the beam. And I mean, that it's just wonderful when that happens. Yuri, I love that metaphor. That's C.S. Lewis, right? C.S. Lewis, yeah. Yeah, that's such a beautiful way of thinking about this one. Yeah, so we had Dr. Sibelius uh, look at the light uh, <laughs> through the mm-hmm, crack mm-hmm. and and talk about the kind of the, the neurological differences in folks with ADHD. And she talked about the symptoms. And then we had... Megan Riley really explain like what it was like to have ADHD and grow up with it and you know not even really fully know what it was and feeling really different and I just loved her vulnerability in this episode and just her openness and willingness willingness to share with everyone about really how hard it can be to have a disorder and and feel very different than others and not really have a name for it. Mhm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this was a great one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know if you've noticed this, but at least lately, it does seem like ADHD is getting a lot more media attention. It seems like more books are being written about it. Yeah. It seems like, um, you know, not to make it out to be a trend. It absolutely is not. But in that same vein, it does seem like it's being talked about. I've seen lots of TikTok videos about it. Well, of course, and in just conversation, right? People will people will even casually ingest, self-diagnose themselves ADHD because they're hyper that day or something, right? And there's w- without really an understanding of the actual condition, um, kind of in a similar way that sometimes people will casually throw around OCD or things like that. Yeah. Um, and which, I mean, Yuri, this is a whole other episode perhaps, but I'm definitely not a fan of people who use mental disorders sort of willy-nilly like that. Like, oh, I'm in a bad mood today and yesterday I was in a happy mood. I must be bipolar or uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really like to be clean, so I must be OCD or, you know, they make comments like that. And I think that can really be stigmatizing and pathologizing for folks and um mm-hmm. You know, when I hear that kind of language, I personally will make a comment about it to that individual and just say, hey, like people actually do experience sort of debilitating levels of OCD or experience, you know, significant strife in their life because of these mental disorders. Um, And that's what happens sometimes with these things is they have they have a proper technical clinical setting and and definition um but when they when when the, when the cat's out of the bag or you know when when the uh when the thing gets loose and runs wild through culture 
people will people will use them as words to describe other things and it's not necessarily the most helpful thing when you're trying to be technical about something right. not only not only about the definition but actually how it affects people who literally have the thing that's called that um, yes absolutely yeah. and as a, a teaser for season three um we're actually going to be talking about OCD in season three and I invited on an individual with OCD and he really talks about how um, that phrase, right? Oh, I'm so OCD is really bothersome and feels really mm. stigmatizing. And so um, uh, tune in for that one. <laughs> Coming yeah, up. no, that, that discussion you had with him was really good. Really oh, thanks, good. Yuri. Okay. But I won't say any more because it's not out yet. Disability and mental health. Yes, with Dr. Kaylee Rusin and Gabriella Carafa. And I met these ladies actually on Instagram. <laughs> One of them I met actually at a workshop and didn't realize and then... Found them on Instagram, recognized one gal and said, okay, this is a sign. I have to have these gals on um, the podcast because they are both disabled individuals who practice psychotherapy. And it was such an interesting conversation. Um, and my key takeaway of many from that conversation was just around how many folks with disabilities don't really get adequate psychotherapy services because providers often assume that that individual will need some kind of specialized treatment, right? And so it was so interesting to hear, especially Dr. Rusin mentioned how, for example, if an individual had autism spectrum disorder, but was dealing with relationship problems and maybe just wanted some supportive psychotherapy or counseling around the relationship problems, how they might get turned away because the individual who could treat them might say, oh, oh, you have autism? Oh, oh no, I can't. I can't help you. I'm not an yeah. autism specialist. And just the idea too around accessibility, um, both Dr. Rusin and uh, Gabriella Kraff are, are in wheelchairs. And we talked about how there are many spaces where it's not even easily accessible to get psychotherapy and, you know, how, how difficult that can be. And, and for able-bodied folks who, you know, never have to think about this, you know, yeah, this thought might never cross cross our minds, right? Mm -hmm. And so just hearing them speak so candidly about what it's like to be a disabled person doing psychotherapy, but also being a disabled person wishing to pursue or receive psychotherapy and just hearing the differences between, you know, what, what folks with some disabilities 
might experience compared to, to right. folks who don't have those disabilities might experience. It's just very enlightening for me and really right. made me reflect on um, my own privilege as an able-bodied person. And also how can I, you know, do better as an able-bodied person yeah. really in, in supporting I, folks with disabilities I'll, and, I'll and, and, and do they even need my support? Right. That right, was kind right. of the other thing we talked about too, right. Feeling like, like what is an ally and, and how does that look? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I'll share a little personal anecdote here because I sure. think this is related to that metaphor of looking at the beam versus looking with the beam or looking through the beam of sure. light, right? Because many of us, and, and, and often we don't know that there's a need because we've never needed to know in our own personal stories until such mm -hmm. time as we listen to people that actually, you know, uh, whatever it is, whatever issue it might be. But I remember, um, you know, my uncle has muscular dystrophy and we, I, we, there was a family wedding. So I was, I was his driver. I took him in the car, we drove across the state and I stayed with him in, in a hotel room and we got the handicap hotel room. And like, even that was not adequate for mm. him. Right. And there was a lot like, I, and then I looked at him like, how do you, like, basically, I was like, how do you do this? Yeah. Right. And he's like, well, welcome to, uh, welcome to my life. Um, but yeah, that was one of those moments where I, I had my eyes opened. Right. Which is, I yeah. think is a really valuable moment to have. And, and we have that moment by walking with and listening to, um, to people. Yeah, absolutely. And I really felt like, Dr. Rusin and, and Gabriella Krafa really, you know, were just so vulnerable and open and in, in sharing their experiences. And I really felt like so connected to them in this conversation and, and really walked away mm. feeling like, like actually this kind of was a life-changing conversation here. Yeah. It was a really, this was a really special episode. And again, I mean, to reflect something similar to what I mentioned with Dr. Naomi Murphy, like you, you need, you need to have a confidence to be able to talk like that as well. Yeah. Right? To and, talk and so openly. The amount of confidence and, and trust and goodwill in that conversation was what carried it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Because so often you can get into conversations and you just know that that goodwill or that trust might not be there. Right. Um, but in that listening to that conversation, it was I mean, it's a it was a breath of fresh air. It was re, it was a really good discussion for full disclosure for behind the scenes access. Literally not much editing was even needed in that yes. podcast because the flow of conversation, the openness, the uh, as as they say, the rat tat tat of the give and take. It was, it really was, um, it was a highlight for sure. Absolutely. All right. And Yuri, that leads us to our last episode of season two, which was with uh, Dr. Martin Antony. And the topic was on social anxiety disorder. So again, going back to the roots and actually it looks like there were really only two episodes this season on mental disorders. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I really only got back to the roots uh two of the seven episodes. Mm -hmm. Um 
but this was a great one. And well, uh, I'm curious what your thoughts were. Yeah. Well, this one, I'll compliment you, Bev, as a podcast host. Oh, but thanks, like Jerry. literally asking the questions like, well, when am I just shy? And when do I have social anxiety disorder? And like, you know, I think that it's, it can be really easy for the layman, so to speak, to just get like kind of frustrated even with certain aspects of mental health, mm. like um, nomenclature, mm. right? And be like, well, why can't I just be a shy person? Or right. and, and I think it's that comes from a misunderstanding and, and you as a podcast host be basically bringing up these misunderstandings and letting, and letting um, Dr. Anthony clarify them, right? Uh, it was a very helpful process for me and actually really refreshing to have you ask the questions that sort of the, the everyday Joe would, that might ask. Oh, thanks, Yuri. Well, that really was the point, right? It's, it's sometimes hard to understand, I think, like, what is the difference between what a normative behavior is and then what a not so normative, maybe even dysfunctional behavior is or a behavior that causes functional impairment, as they call it in the DSM-5. And obviously, this idea of normal is so contested and it's so... Contextual uh, on so many different levels. Yeah, historically and societally and... Culturally, personally, personally, religiously. like Like every single intersection of identity can be... A complicating factor in trying to determine what all this stuff is. Absolutely right, and and so it was interesting to hear Dr. Anthony talk about. Well, some people really describe themselves as shy, but they don't have social anxiety disorder because this shyness is not at the point where they're unable to work or they're unable to do the the valued activities of of folks in the society that they they sort of live in at the time or. It's not causing them significant amounts of distress. And so really getting that distinction I found really helpful from Dr. Anthony. And um, I'm just so grateful he was on the podcast. He's one of the the world's, in my opinion, one of the world's leading experts in, in anxiety disorders. He's written so many books on... Um, you know, shyness and social anxiety, but also perfectionism and phobias and uh, worry too a little bit. So yeah, Dr. Anthony is such a, such a powerhouse in the field mm-hmm. and he's actually going to be uh, in season three in the OCD episode, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. Yeah. There's one thing that I thought about when it came to the only way I can put it is the job of a, psychologist right okay um because we were just talking about that idea of like well when when is it shyness and when is it social anxiety right right? and and it takes there's a tremendous amount of research that goes into that but even the research itself when it comes to the individual person it sort of depends it it depends there's so much that just depends and i think your job bev and the job of the psychologists in our in our communities um is to be wise wisdom right um using wisdom in discernment um and and you know you as a and that's something i would ask of you bev as a psychologist in our community to develop you know wisdom and that's one thing that i think this podcast does is it um you you learn about a lot of this stuff but then what you do in that moment 
with that person that has come for your help. And, and this is not just for a psychologist. This is for anybody that's a friend or family member. When somebody comes for your help, we're called to be wise in that moment, right? Yes. Using our wisdom uh, because every situation that happens is different, right? And there are unique aspects to every person in front of us and and every moment that they come to us might require something a little different. Um, so, you know, being able to... Uh, there's no such thing as a rule without relationship. That is um, such a good point, Yuri. And I think too, we could probably have a podcast episode on what is wisdom, right? And what, uh, like, what course, is that construct? And to me, wisdom is bringing together both logic and emotion. And it's like finding a synthesis of the two. Um, but yeah, I think psychologists are generally called to be wise, like use the evidence, but also use the art of psychotherapy mm. um, and use the relationship, right, between between yourself and this person in the room. And, and there's no way that you can possibly uh, – Some this is a famous saying, and I forget who said it, but, you know, every person is the exception, right? Uh, but there's no way you can kind of read enough books to know enough to handle every single situation that comes in your way Absolutely. all the time. Yeah. Right? Like you have to, you have to, have to, have to rely upon wisdom. Like mm. I, I, that's the word that's coming to mind. Perhaps right. there is a better word that's out there, but I think you, I think your definition works really well there. This, this kind of the, the union of that kind of logical evidence-based um, structure that we've created, but, paired and married together with that personal experiential um, mm. and relational knowledge. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm really reminded actually of a quote. And while you were chatting here with, with us and the listeners, um, I, I just pulled it up and this is about psychotherapy. And the quote is, is, really about the struggles of being a psychotherapist. So I'll just, I'll read it to you. So this is by Jonathan Kellerman, and it was cited in an article by Norcross and Vanden Boss in 2018. And the quote is, don't let anyone tell you different. Psychotherapy is one of the most taxing endeavors known to mankind. There's nothing that compares to confronting human misery hour after hour and bearing the responsibility for easing that misery using only one's mind and mouth. So light, light stuff, you know, <laughs> but how I do you, think how it's, do, you know, how do you, how do you, uh, this is probably a topic for a whole other show, but like, how do you Bev kind of shoulder that, you know? Right. And well, I could ask the same, same to you, Yuri, obviously this isn't a podcast about religion, but, um, you know, if, if if you didn't realize at the the top of the podcast, I called Yuri Father Hladio because Yuri's a priest, and um, there is a lot of overlap between mm -hmm. between what you might do as a priest and what a psychologist or psychotherapist or counselor or mm -hmm. psych psychiatrist or social worker, whoever performs psychotherapy, does. Mm -hmm. And that is, I like to think of it as being a professional secret keeper and. Mm -hmm being someone who uses wisdom. And, and I think inherent to in this idea of wisdom um, is, is this idea of humility. You know, you mentioned how sometimes you might be confronted with, with an individual in suffering and have no clue how to help them. And I think sometimes the wise thing to do is to admit, 
you don't know what you're doing and mm-hmm. and be be modest and be be humble. Yeah. And there's wisdom in that in that choice. And I think what I really enjoyed about this experience hosting this podcast is every expert, almost every expert I've talked to has said something to the effect of who me, you're asking me about this. And I say, and they might be the expert in the field, They are the expert in the field. And I say, well, yes, of course I'm going to, because you have published X, Y, and Z, or you've done all this work. And they often come back and say, okay, I'll do my best, but I'm not even sure. Right. And I think showing that, that level of like care and thoughtfulness and being able to admit that they don't know all the answers. That's wise. And, and that's why I've been so confident in these experts that I've invited, invited on because they're mm. comfortable with being wrong and they're comfortable with not knowing. And um, they showed a lot of openness and vulnerability like we've already talked about, even just on this, this little show that I have. So mm-hmm. we have. So it's been, it's been such a joy. I, I loved this season. Yeah, absolutely. I loved it as well. And we're looking forward to more and keep up the good work, Bev. I enjoy it. You too, Father Yuri. <laughs> just Yuri, just Yuri. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for doing this uh, summary with me. And, My pleasure. And uh, I'll see you in season three. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. And that was today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was hosted by Bev Catherine and produced by Yuri Hladio. Podcasting isn't free. Consider supporting the podcast by becoming a patron on patreon.com. You'll get early access to episodes and other exclusive content. You can find us on patreon.com slash stop psychoanalyzing me. Until next time. Bye.